How we feeling? What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the How We Feeling podcast. Today's episode, I'm super excited for because our guest is a longtime friend of mine, former teammate, and current pitcher for the Kansas City Royals, Chris Bubich. Bubich, how you doing today, man? Good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, bro. I'm doing well. And, uh, you know, like I told you before, I'm just super thankful for you to be able to come on and talk to us today. Um, you know, you and I have talked a little bit briefly about what we've been doing here on the podcast, but essentially we're using this as a platform for you to kind of go and open up and share your story and kind of share all aspects of your journey. We'll talk about the highs, we'll talk about the lows, some of the stuff in between and what you're looking forward to coming on here in the future. Sounds good. Let's do it. Cool. So for starters, I want to take it back a little bit. Um, let's talk a little bit about your childhood. Um, I think for one, I want to know what one of the earlier memories that you can think of is in terms of one of the pivotal experiences that was noted during your childhood. Um, well, childhood was filled with sports, um, an older sister as well. And she was into sports and to, to dancing as well. Um, and then for me, it was pretty much sports at a young age, anything, anything with a ball with it. I was, I was probably doing it. Um, family has always been big on soccer, being Croatian, uh, the European background, not really big into baseball, um, but soccer, basketball, and then, and then baseball, obviously. And then as I got older into high school, as you remember, football, um, but football wasn't a huge emphasis growing up. But uh, when I played, uh, it was actually kind of ironic. Um, the year I played t-ball, um, I didn't actually play t-ball because I broke my arm. I was doing the, the monkey bars at, in kindergarten, I think. Cool. And, it was, and I fell and I broke my arm and I didn't even play t-ball. So um, I have kind of a not, a, not a great memory of that, but obviously something I remember and um, not getting to play. I mean, when you're five years old, you just wanted to go out and have fun, but not getting to play um, a sport for the first time like that, I was kind of itching to get to try it out and see if I like it. So the next year when I was six, so that's kind of my, that was my introduction to baseball, my first year playing baseball. Um, but like I said, playing more than just that um, childhood, I think was really defined by all sports. Cause I still love all sports today. Um, if I wasn't playing baseball, I'd probably want to try to find my way into football, whether that's field or kicking or whatever. <laughs> um, but um but yeah just childhood definitely defined by a lot of sports and, and great family support uh comes along with that as well absolutely and then one of the things that i always think back to when i think of you um especially in high school like you noted was your willingness to go and try and play multiple different sports and there's parallels to that in any other aspect in life right like having that willingness to stay curious and go out and taste different things so that you can find and, and continue to grow a passion for so much more and you know, you stay so much fresher and you look at everything with, you know, a, a bit of opportunity within that. And it just keeps you focused and keeps you, you know, free to continue to find what that next thing is for you. And I feel like that's what you need in terms of going out and finding a passion in life or going out and finding things that are going to keep you invigorated when the time comes. Exactly. It's definitely all about balance. Um, too much of something's not great. Too little of something maybe is not great either. Um, so finding kind of the, the time and the effort that you want to put in that, that allows you to balance everything properly is, is essential. Right, right. And I want to touch back on your family just because me knowing you as long as I've known you and anybody that knows you can attest to it, 
you know, family is just about everything for you. Um, talk to me a little bit about personally, you know, what is it that your mom and Bianca and even your grandparents stand for in your life? You know, what in them do you see that you gravitate towards so much and enjoy so much in them? Yeah, they've been, uh, they've been there the whole time um, watching me grow up. My, my mom obviously was extremely supportive of anything, any sport I was playing or any passion I had growing up. Same with my sister as well. Um, we were obviously, obviously keeping her busy growing up. She was running off to drop me off at practice or soccer practice, baseball practice, whatever. And then she was running to pick up my sister at, at ballet uh, at practice. So it was, uh, it was a, a lot for her, but I really appreciate the effort that, that both of them put into to the time and, and allowing me to, to kind of flourish um, and not trying to diminish me in any way or not allowing me to do something simply just because we didn't have the time or the resources. We, we wanted to try everything and um, eventually I just blossomed. But then my grandparents as well live within, we all live within like a five, 10 minute radius of each other. Um, so it's pretty neat that they could grow up watching me play um, everything as well. And that was, that's, that's a big part of their life as well. Um, and like, like you mentioned, I mean, family's everything for me. Um, part of the decision I wanted to stay close, obviously we'll get into the college aspect, but part of the reason I wanted to stay or go to, go to the school I did, uh, go to was because it was for proximity. It was close. All my family could still attend and watch me play and, and whatnot. So, um, extremely thankful for all the support they've had for me and, and that they still continue to have for me and, um, nothing but love for all of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then jumping back into high school, um, you know, for me, especially Mitty was an interesting experience with it being, you know, my first little glimpse of that private school life. But for you, you know, one, what does Mitty mean to you? But also, you know, talk about your experience moving into Mitty um, as a freshman in high school. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was tough because obviously Mitty is, a, is such a competitive place, a competitive environment. Um, my sister did go to Mitty as well. Um, she was exactly four years older than me. So she graduated uh, as a senior when I was in graduating eighth grade. So we didn't overlap with each other. Um, but she kind of seeing her go through high school gave me a little bit of taste of what it would be like. Um, but going in um, kind of the same mentality. I wasn't trying to stay true to myself, uh, obviously get involved with sports, um, keep my grades as as best I could, because obviously the grades come before the sports. If you don't have the grades then the sports don't matter. Um, but for me, that was the time I wanted to try football. Uh, I kind of convinced my mom to let me try because um, I had no background. Obviously the, the injury stigma around football, I mean, you're clashing, you're colliding with people every day. Um, and the long-term effects of that are obviously a little scary, but um, I wanted to try it. I've always loved football growing up. And uh, definitely a good way to, to kind of introduce yourself because you get to campus um, before school actually starts or you're at least working out with, with other guys, meeting new people, getting acclimated to the campus, to everything around before you actually step foot for day one of class. Um, so that was definitely uh, – uh, I love that. I loved every, every part of that. Um, but for me, I was – Trying at the same time as a freshman, and it's the same thing when you get to college, but you're trying not to step on anybody's toes, you know. Right. Um, freshmen have a, like, whatever, Senior Hill we had at Midi. Yeah. Uh, stay away from Senior Hill or, or stuff like that. Just little things. You're trying, not, you're trying to 
have a feel for situations and not trying to step on anybody's toes. Um, but at the same time, you're trying to express yourself as best you can and, and, and have fun while you're doing it. Yeah. Now everybody's trying to find that place at that point in time. hundred percent. Take me mm-hmm. through what freshman year movie was like, you know, what was, what was going through the mind of 14, 13 year old Chris, you know, working to kind of find his way dealing with a lot of the things you deal with in high school, whether it be pressure from classmates or, just getting acclimated into a space like that and going through the own little insecurities that come up as time moves forward. Um, mm-hmm. What does it look like to be in his head? You know, it, at times it was tough because going into sports, like growing before I got to high school, I was always so involved in sports, but now the tryouts were involved football. You kind of were on the team, but basketball, I played basketball my freshman year and then uh, baseball, Obviously, there's the tryout process involved, so you're not necessarily guaranteed a spot on anything. So there's always that that little bit of doubt that creeps into your head that maybe, hey, what if I played sports my whole life up to this point, and now, not saying I wouldn't make it, but now I got to – not saying I wasn't competing before, but now there's a consequence. If I don't make it, then what do I do next? Like, I, I really have plan B, to be honest. Um and right now I, I still don't have a plan B, but um, like it was kind of a boomer bust when it comes to, to sports. And obviously the grades were important as well. Um, but for me, like life without sports would be, I couldn't even imagine what it'd be like. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was kind of the entirety of freshman year, especially playing when football season was, was over and then I played basketball and then basketball season kind of overlapped in the baseball tryouts. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if I was going to get like a fair look just because we were there. I mean, obviously you were involved as well, Yeah. but because basketball season runs a little bit in the spring. So we're going to get there a little late. Are we going to get the same looks as everybody else? Like those types of thoughts kind of creep into your head and how competitive we are just in general at such a competitive place like MIDI. Um, those thoughts run through your head, but at the same time, I knew I just had to control what I could control, um, finish the basketball season strong. And then, go out to baseball and, and, and ball out as best I could and, and show the coaching staff and, and whoever else there and show the other players there that I was ready to compete, um, but also have fun because you're still 14 years old and you're still trying to figure out kind of what you want to do and what interests you and what doesn't. So um, take it seriously, obviously, but you got to, like I said, balance. You got to – can't take yourself seriously all the time. So all about balance. No, 100%. And I'm thinking back to just to us playing freshman ball. And it's like, you know, it's exciting because we're getting that first little glimpse into what it means to play baseball here at Midi. But at the same time, too, everybody's stepping out, thinks they're going to be on varsity right then and there, right? Like, everybody's mm-hmm. going out there trying to ball out. And one of the biggest things that I remember, and especially remember seeing in you that young, was, you know, that strive for perfection. You know, different to the one that you have now. At that point, it was a little bit more reckless, right? You know, the way that I think about it and describe it was, it was more so moment to moment strives for perfection, looking to do as much as you can, as quickly as you can, right then and there to put out the best performance. And that's tough, right? Because that's the type of perfection that pushes you to kind of get in your head a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving forward, you know, we'll talk more about once you find your stride and as things picked up with Stanford. But one of the bigger changes that I realized in looking at you as you got older was that strive for perfection changed in terms of you were focusing more on the smaller details, right? You know, establishing a certain amount of a routine, you know, mm-hmm. going through your daily checklist, going through your different things that were going to continue to carry you 
and provide you with that incremental progress that would get you where you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like was the biggest thing that kind of sparked that change and forced you to make that adjustment? I think, like you mentioned, not worrying so much about results because, I mean, the perfectionism is is a quality a lot of people have and it can help you, but it can also hurt you in some situations. But I think the biggest the biggest thing and kind of not necessarily overcoming that, but kind of fizzling that out a little bit, that like do or die kind of attitude was the fact that, like you said, focus on the little things, focus on the, the stuff that's going to get me to the games rather than just, oh, I, I got to throw, or if I'm pitching, I got to throw seven shutout today. No, it's like I got to focus on every pitch, and then I focus on every pitch, and that's going to get me the result I want, not being so result-oriented. Uh, orientated. I was much more process orientated and like I was, that was a struggle in high school. I mean, the feeling I had after a good game, I was still kind of neutral. And then the feeling I had after a bad game, I was like down in the dumps, like bad body language at times, stuff like you don't want to see. Um, but as I got older and matured a little bit and kind of, I've kind of experienced a little bit of everything. Um, mm-hmm. it comes to, the baseball field, especially in all sports, like I've had some really good moments and I've had some really bad moments. I've, I've hit, I've pitched, I've done a variety of different things. So I've kind of experienced everything now at this point that I, I've nothing like is going to surprise me. Nothing's going to make me feel like, well, I'm on top of the world right now or nothing's going to make me feel like, Oh, I'm down on the dumps right now. It's always staying even keel. It's always staying even temper. Um, as the, as the saying goes, not getting too high with the highs, not getting too low, low with the lows. Um, so that was the, the, the process orient, uh, the process focus was so much more advantageous for me than the results focus. Uh, cause I know, especially baseball being such a numbers game, everybody sees the results. Everybody sees your batting average. Everybody sees your ERA. Those are such all things, but the, the thing that they don't see is the, the, how you get to that. Um, and that's the thing that is really gonna is really gonna drive you the rest of the way. Because if you're just focusing on results and anything, um, time and time again, and I feel like over time you're gonna lose your passion a little bit for it. Um, because the the fun part in all this is the working. At least for me, the the fun part is is putting in the work and, and kind of seeing that work. Uh, maybe I, I I had a weakness, but I I made it a strength, and now I can see that manifesting itself in a game or, or whatever. In, in a job, um, that's the that's the rewarding part about all this. It's not necessarily, oh, I'm dominating everybody. It's oh, maybe I was struggling with something, but then I overcame it. Um, I made improvements, and now I'm seeing it manifesting itself on a daily basis. And um, it's hard to do, but um, I think the longer you do something, it's it's essential. Hundred percent. No, it's it's very hard to do. What do you feel like? What do you feel like were some of the things that helped you put that in place for yourself? I mean, obviously you've talked about a large part of it being just maturing as a person, um, but was there kind of a certain revelation that you felt like you had at one point throughout some circumstances that you had been going through during life? Or do you think it was just pretty much simply just a matter of, you know, I need to grow up and I'm facing these different obstacles as time moves forward? Probably a little bit of both. Uh, I remember uh, sophomore year, uh, I was lucky enough to make so- uh, varsity sophomore year, and I was starting. It was kind of pitcher only that year, and I started at uh, at Sarah. And uh, my f- we were in San Mateo, so family was driving up. 
And I started, and by the time they got there, I was already out of the game. I didn't make it out of the second inning. Um, I, I, I can't say I was, like, nervous or anything. I just the day, like, where I had bad command and everything. But um, that's where it kind of, like, like, I remember how pissed off everybody was after that day just because, you know, it's 30-ish minute drive. You're playing a good team on the road, whatever. You're getting ready for a start as a sophomore in varsity. That's a pretty big deal at the time. And mm-hmm. and then next thing you know, five minutes later, it seems like I'm out of the game. And, like, you're wondering what happened. Um, so that kind of allowed me to kind of take a step back, look at things a little bit. And the whole sophomore year was kind of an up and down um, kind of journey. Like, I had some good moments, had some bad moments. And then going into that, that – uh what was it that author that summer, I guess, in between sophomore and junior years, kind of when I committed to, okay, if I, if I really want to do this, I got to commit myself first mentally. And for me, mentally, that started in the weight room, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of funny because in high school, I'll be honest, I, did, I hated the weight room. I hated lifting. I hated all that. Um, during football season, uh, Nick, Coach Nichols would, would, uh, Sometimes, like, let me do, like, different – we would write, like, baseball work. You know, I was kind of a baseball guy first, or at least it was turning into that. So, and then baseball season, I never wanted to, to lift because I never wanted to feel sore when I pitch. And looking back, like – I mean, in high school, like, I guess you're just still trying to fill out to your body and, and find out kind of your strengths and weaknesses. But at the same time, I kind of, like, been mad at myself for that and, and being so stubborn when it came to, oh, I only got to do this or – you guys remember how I was. I got to do my band a certain way. I got to do mm-hmm. this. Lot. I got to eat my turkey sandwich, my sun chips, and my chocolate chips before I pitch. Yeah. And it was only that. Like, it was it was like a uh, – it was so black and white that I kind of didn't let myself adapt to certain things, to, to open my mind to certain things. And I, as I kind of hit my growth spurt and became more confident in my abilities and as I got older um, – became a little easier to have an open mind because I was open. Hey, maybe this works. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe I should, Oh, this is working for this guy. Maybe I should try it or maybe I should see what it's like. So I think having an open mind is, is really crucial to, to the same part as maturing. I mean, that's just kind of hand in hand um, because like you said, staying curious, um, not being content or complacent in anything, but um, at the same time, exploring different things, exploring different ideas. And that's how we get better every day. Definitely. And it's so funny, right? Cause I mean, like you said, I can think back to you, you know, running the bands, running away from the weight room, but I think that speaks so much to life in terms of a lot of times the best thing that's going to be helpful for us and put us in that position to continue to blossom as we move forward throughout different aspects of life is in leaning into those things that we're so afraid of or so, you know, unwilling to go and try. And like you said, you know, you look back to it and you're like, damn, like, had I just known that that's where that would put me, you know, in the present moment now, knowing where you are, you know, might've been a little bit more eager, a little bit more willing to at least give yourself that freedom to go and try and move forward back then. You know, you can only imagine where it would put you at, you know, now, especially for you being where you are now, you know, had you done that any earlier, who's to say where you could be? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And like I said, I'm a little mad at myself for that. Um, I don't have any like regrets or anything, but part of me wishes like, Oh, why were you doing this? Like this had no impact on 
what you were doing on the field. Like you were just doing it to do it. You know, there was really no behind it. Um, but I think now I've become a lot smarter in how I work um, and how I do stuff. And everything I do now has a purpose behind it. Whereas in high school and then kind of early college, I was just kind of doing stuff to do it because I thought like that, that's what made my mind feel good. A lot of our routines are just for our minds. It's not really for our bodies. It's more so, or our, did we check that box today that we did all that we did? Um, but instead now, so now more so it's, uh, I'm doing certain things to, to get me ready and not necessarily about the quantity that I, I, I do them in. It's the, the quality of the work um, rather than trying to do so much to try to be so perfect. And now it's just condensing that to, to focus on what really matters. No, absolutely. And then to piggyback off that, you know, one of the big things that I think about is kind of the quote, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. And for you, you know, preparation and that willingness to be mindful of, you know, okay, I'm doing these things, but I'm also doing it with an intent behind it, right? How much of that do you feel like carries over into your personal life now and your relationship with yourself outside of baseball? Like you said, I mean, it's everything. Um, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Um, I really like that quote, and I, that's, that's everything. I mean, when I was focusing in the classroom, it's the same thing. Um, I, when, anytime I'm trying to be too overthink things or be too perfect, then that's what comes back to bite me. But if I just stay focused on maybe a little thing here, learning a little detail, um, I know like just studying for tests, I mean, everybody wants to study the night before and and cram everything in, but kind of taking that into smaller chunks, kind of maybe the week before um, is maybe the best way to go and the smarter way to go. But now as you get older, you realize um, that that's essential, but um, it's huge. I mean, intent is probably the most important character, characteristic of of life because i mean we all hear of stuff going through the motions i mean you hear it in sports you hear it in life like you're just kind of going through the motions today like you wake up kind of do the same thing you do every day um kind of go through your job go through your school or whatever and it's just you're kind of going through the motions and that's never like a good way um to really live it's not really a healthy way to live because at the at the end of the day kind of what are you getting out of that and it, I think it's important to have intent behind anything. And I think that, like you said, first it starts with yourself. Um, I couldn't tell you how many late nights I've been doing homework and um, whether high school, college or whatever, and I'm listening to music or whatever. And that's like, for me, that's like the biggest time of like self-growth and self-improvement. Cause like when you're studying late at night and you're doing stuff and um, that's kind of the time you kind of figure out what you want that's when those subconscious thoughts kind of come out and that's what you, you allow yourself to, to entertain, entertain those thoughts and, and you find out what really drives you, what doesn't and what really uh, fuels you every day. And then that's kind of where you find that energy, that motivation and you take it into the next day. So like I said, those, the, the nights I've had studying and late nights and, and whatnot and listening to music, like that's just such a, that's like a happy place for me. That's like such a place where I'm content and where I'm um, kind of letting go of, of the outside world for a little bit and kind of entering my own zone. And then I kind of collect my thoughts and, and motivate myself again. And then I'm ready to attack the next day. Uh, definitely. And you have to, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I think about 
is that it's tough for a lot of people to take that time to go and sit with themselves. You know, mm-hmm. people put so many different types of distractions in front of them, whether it be, you know, oh, I got to focus on my work or, oh, I've got school or, oh, no, I can't. Like, let me go see what my friends are doing, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. you lose sight of one yourself, but you don't give yourself that opportunity to go through and dig deeper and see what's really under the hood. You know, it's that charge up moment where, you know, you feed yourself and continue to watch your relationship with yourself become nurturing. And as you do that, you reap dividends from it. Yeah, it's extremely hard. Um, Sacrifice and and prioritizing things are the two biggest keys I would give anybody growing up. Um, It's hard, though, because in high school, you want to you want to make time for your sport. You want to make time fitting in your social life. You got to make time for your academics and there's so many different things. And then you got, you got social media. That's a whole nother world. And then there's so many things that take attention away and take energy away from you. Um, that, like you said, people kind of lose sight of, of themselves a little bit and just taking five, 10 minutes a day, whether morning, night, whatever, that's this could clear everything and kind of, for me, it's almost like a clean slate. You know, I'm, I'm finishing the end of the day. I'm listening to music just kind of chilling. That's a way for me to kind of let go of everything, maybe good or bad that had happened during that day. And then, okay, I'm ready to attack the next day. Um, like you said, it all starts with yourself. Um, the more you kind of distract yourself, um, as bad as that sounds, but the more you you're open to distractions and the less time, I mean, it takes a lot of sacrifice. You got to sacrifice time. Maybe you don't go out with your friends that night. Maybe you, um, I don't know, maybe you don't eat that in and out burger and fries or something or like stupid stuff like that. But um, the sacrifice is, is huge. And I think the the more time you can make for yourself, at least initially, because you do want to pour into others, you do want to spend time and, and learn from others. And obviously, um, but at the same time, you got to know yourself first before you, you kind of enter those situations that, that will come up around you. Right. And it's so much easier to, you know, so much easier and so much more fulfilling to give to others when you're coming from that place where your cup is full and you can give all of yourself. Whereas, you know, the battery is drained, the tank's on E and you're a shell of who you really are and you're not providing any value to anybody that you're touching. You know, it doesn't do anybody any good. Exactly. Yeah. No. And you, you talk again about that intent, you know, I think back to, you know, being a part of those teams, you know, playing on varsity junior year and senior year alongside you and, you know, it's tough because, like you say, you talk about taking accountability and taking ownership where you want to be. That's not usually the case for a lot of kids. You know, I can think back to, you know, watching you go about things the way that you did. You know, you had your routine, you're going to the J-bands, you were running your pulls, you're coming back, you're stretching, doing your towel work, doing everything. And, you know, a lot of times there were guys on the team that were laughing, right? You know, a lot of people weren't taking it seriously or people were conning you, you know, saying, oh, that's Boobich doing what Boobich does. But there's so much in that when you unpack it and look at it from, you know, a perspective where we're at now in that nobody had really been exposed to that level of dedication to their craft. You know, and I look at it now and I'm like, okay, like I always knew what it was back then, but now I look at it now and I'm like, yeah, like he was serious about what he was doing. And maybe if a lot more of us would have taken this serious as he did, you know, it's, it's, it's a good, you know, I wonder where we ended up being on our own, right. You know, so. Yeah, and I everything I wanted to do was I wanted to to commit to it and do it. Like I, if I was going to do something, I was going to put a hundred percent effort to it, whether or not people were poking fun. I know I mean I still get poked 
fun at a lot um, for a lot of different things. But, um, yeah, it, it's tough, too, because you want to be accepted. You want to, like, conform a little bit and, and do stuff that everybody else is doing. But at the same, at the same time, if, if you're serious about something and something fulfills you and something makes you happy, then at the same time, like, who cares what other people think um, or say? Like, um, and you guys are all my friends, and I love you guys. Um, but at the same time, I know, like, we all know what's best for, for our own lives, our own psyches, our own everything. Um, so taking that into account, you got to attack everything with full dedication, not, not worry about outside noise and, and, and just go attack everything head on. Right. No, that, and I think, you know, it's, it's important to be willing to step out of the box and question the unknown, right? You know, you, you say, you know, you talk about tapping into different psyches and understanding that everybody has a different perspective. It's growing in that willingness to be accepting of people going about things the way that they do, because at the end of the day, it's doing it the best way that they can, right? You know, it's doing what works for them. If we were all doing it the way that was best for everybody, then a lot of people wouldn't be where they are right now because there's no question to, you know, maybe I should do something a little bit different to be in a place that's different than other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, if you want to be great at something, there's always a sacrifice. There's always a cost that comes with it. Um, job you know you got to sacrifice some time you got to work long hours um to really excel um maybe you're you're buying for a promotion and it's between you and someone else well you got to prove to whoever that you're willing to sacrifice a little bit of your time a little bit of whatever that you're willing to to do whatever it takes essentially to get that get that next spot get that promotion it's the same thing that applies to to baseball and all sport um if you want to, if you want to stand out, you got to be outstanding in, in some way, shape or form, whether that's as a person, as, as a character, as a really good teammate, um, or as just a worker, I mean, or both essentially. And I try to be both at all times. I know I did things a little differently in high school. Um, but at the same time, I, I did my best to treat everybody, everybody with respect and, mm-hmm. and make sure that I was there for everybody, um, through good times and bad. So, um yeah like i said i mean it's all about sacrifice it's all about priorities it's hard um to branch out but another thing that's essential um when trying to excel at anything no super essential and it paid off for you i mean looking through the remainder of the high school career you know you talk about junior year going and being able to go and get a wcl championship on that team hanging the banner um and then you talk about you know moving forward throughout senior year and junior year you know co-pitcher of the year in terms of being in the league and then moving through in the now transitioning to freshman year at Stanford. I know you said initially early on in high school or early on in college, you decided that it would be a good idea to go ahead and take 20 units, which at the time was the maximum amount of credits that you'd be able to go and take at Stanford. Um, and you talked about the grind, you know, one, take me through the mental state that you were in at that point, you know, first stepping foot on campus, diving into the baseball world, but also having to focus on the fact that, I'm a student here at Stanford, one of the most rigorous, most prestigious universities in the country, well in the world, and I have to go and succeed on a course load that nobody should possibly be taking. Yeah, so about that, like our our coach, I mean, obviously Stanford, a, a good prestigious program with MLB draft picks and whatnot, um, and that was obviously what I was aspiring for at the time, and he had said it, at the time, if you want to get drafted after your junior year, um, it'd be wise to, to load up and get ahead in your degree 
that way when you get drafted, either you're done or you don't have to come back and finish too much. Um, so I kind of took that maybe too seriously in the beginning. And the 20 units was a little bit much, especially as a freshman fall. You know, you're just trying to get introduced to the campus, introduced to your dorm rooms and everything. Um, honestly, I don't know how I did it because um, you're going through baseball and it's 6 a.m. lifts in the fall. I think we were doing like 6 a.m., maybe three, four times a week. I don't remember the exact amount, but it was pretty substantial that I had to sacrifice a lot, a lot of sleep. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, looking back, I don't know how I did it. Um, I do remember the first time I we had a 6 a.m. lift, and um, one of the kind of the leaders on our team was the guy who's actually with the Cardinals right now is Tommy Edmond um, in the in the big leagues with the Cardinals, and um, I showed up. It was 6 a.m. lift thinking I was going to be like early and I showed up I think it was like I want to say it was like 5 48 in the morning and the whole team was already there like warming up and I was like oh geez I'm gonna get yelled at and like like, gave me a little death stare you know like all right here's your one warning don't do that again um and you would think like 6 a.m. you're ready to go or 6 a.m. you're ready to go okay I show up 10 15 minutes before I should be fine after that, like I made sure I was not sleeping too long or anything like that, because there there's some occasions where guys oversleep and whatnot. But um, that kind of put a little bit of fear into me, and until I, I didn't want to be that guy again. Um, but like you said about the balance, it was definitely hard. Um, I don't remember my exact like specific courses, but I know I was taking classes from eight thirty in the morning, like I would go lift 6, 6 a.m. to 7.30 or whatever it was, grab some quick breakfast after that and go rush off to, I want to say it was like Spanish or something, 8.30 in the morning. Um, and like I'd be, you got a bike all the way across campus, so I'd be all sweaty again and it'd just be a disaster walking in. Like you're, you're walking into class and people are just like looking at you, like you've already had like three hours to your day and people just woke up. Um, so that was definitely tough, but 8.30 pretty much nonstop till, or 6, I mean, 5.15 in the morning, whenever you wake up, nonstop till 9, 10 o'clock at night. Um, that was, that was, that's a long, long day. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you don't experience in high school. Yeah. And not to mention that when you get to college, like, okay, cool, you feel you're like you're on top of the world when you leave high school and you get to college, you're right back on down to the bottom of the totem pole. No one cares what you did before. Yeah. Um, so it's about kind of the same thing we talked about with freshman year admitted. You know, you're, you're trying to express yourself. You're trying to establish yourself. But at the same time, you're trying to gain a feel of situations, not trying to step on anybody's toes, um, not trying to do anything you're not supposed to. Um, but it was hard, man. It was like the, the fall was the time to load up on classes and then the winter a little bit. And then when you got to the spring, it was just baseball and take like the minimum amount of courses and then kind of roll from there. But um, I mean, I guess I'm kind of glad I did it because I, I got ahead in my degree, but for my mental just functioning like a zombie every day essentially was probably, I mean, I, I did it, I accomplished it, but was it probably the smartest thing to do at the time? Probably not, but um, it is what it is, and I got through it. Take me into some of those tougher moments 
you know, what were some of the things that helped you kind of find your way throughout those experiences? You know, who were some of the people that were able to help pull you out and give you that little, you know, bit of advice that would help you move through those times? Mm -hmm. The best times I remember freshman year, just when I, when I got away from things was eating, we were eating at dining halls. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously athletes love eating and spending that time with teammates and seeing other athletes from other dorms and whatnot. Um, at Stanford is a little different. Like when you're a freshman, you go in and you have random roommates assigned. So you're not necessarily living with the people you see every day uh, or play with it or play on a team with every day, I should say. Um, if you're kind of going into something, you have no idea. Like I didn't know my roommate at all. Um, or do we have common interests? Kind of, not really. Um, so that time getting to spend with teammates at dining halls and getting to enjoy a meal together was was huge. Um, that kind of let me take my mind off of things. Occasionally I would go home just to get away, being so close. I was lucky enough to do that. 20, 30 minute drive um, just to get away, just to clear my head. Because um, I'd be packed like 24 7. It felt like Monday through Friday. And by the time I got to the weekend, it was just slow. Like I, like I hit by a, a truck. Um, but another thing is, actually, a couple of times I didn't do this like every day, but I would go on like walks at night um, around campus just to if I was working on something and I knew it was going to be kind of a later night or I just wanted to clear my head before I went to bed. I would go on like walks around campus just listening to some music or something. Just one, just to get out. I was just locked in the. I mean, dorm dorm room is small. Like you're staring at the same white wall the whole the whole night and just to kind of change the scenery get out go walk um get some fresh air and whatnot and then come back finish up whatever you're finishing and then go to bed um so that was that was kind of my time to just let go of everything 20 30 minute walk just go walk around campus see some other housing see some there's a super large campus so um i wasn't gonna walk the whole thing but just to get around and see different things and um kind of allow myself to take myself or take myself out of the situation academic sport and then just do something that's completely I don't do very often just to once again open myself to something different and then um take my mind off of whatever paper I was writing whatever test I was studying for um but I think that was that was big for me just to kind of digest everything one but um, decompress and just think about nothing essentially for 20, 30 minutes. Cause how often do we just get to think about nothing? Um, cause our minds are filled with every thought you could think of throughout the day. So the, the time I was thinking about nothing was, was great for that short period. Mm-hmm. No, and that's huge. I mean, we spoke about how important that was to you in high school, working to get work done, but even more so in college, right? Because now, like you said, you're balancing working and playing baseball, morning workouts, and taking a ridiculous course load on top of, you know, with family being such an important thing from you, obviously living so close to school is good, but still you're in an environment where you're on your own. You know, you Mm -hmm. can call your mom, you can text her, you can do whatever. She can even come by every now and again, but for the most part, you're on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That was definitely the time where I kind of, where I grew up from a, a teenager or a boy or whatever to an adult, a man where I, one had autonomy over what I did each day. Um, individual, I chose what I ate. I chose what I wanted to do outside of class. I chose what I wanted to do 
um, for my sport. Like I could have done the bare minimum. I could have done the bare minimum class um, now that I was there. But at the same time, I kind of going back to like, oh, if, if I'm I'm here, I'm gonna I'm gonna be here with intent. I'm gonna be here with a full mindset, full intent, at twenty four seven, not twenty four seven, but full intent. And and if I'm doing something, if I'm studying for a test, if I'm writing a paper, if I'm going to fix AM lift, like, I mean, I, I'm here for a reason. So you might as well give all that you have for that. Um, but it's hard because like, you're so used to just living at home, kind of getting everything kind of handed to you in a sense when you're in high school and growing up that it's a little bit of a culture shock when you get, when you get, uh, when you go to college for the first time, cause you're alone for the first time. And, um, but I mean, like I said, you grow up, you have friends around you that support you. Like everybody back home is a text or call away or drive away for me. Um, so it wasn't like as intimidating, maybe some other places where people get homesick or stuff like that. Um, but for me, like leaning, leaning on my, the, the athletic community, specifically the baseball community, our coaching staff, our players, our academic advisors and whatnot. Um, we're all there and we're all, I mean, making us feel right at home as soon as we got there. So um, the transition was a lot easier kind of as I navigated through that freshman fall, the transition was a lot easier after that. Everybody was, you could kind of see everybody who was battling the same kind of stuff, you know, the rigors of um, the academics at the school, the rigors of, of a, a full-time baseball schedule and, and all of that. Like you could see other people kind of going through that, going through that same struggle at times with those same successes. And then you kind of feed off that, that energy, you know, ask them, Oh, what, do, what do they do to kind of clear their mind or, or get away from the game a little bit, or maybe ask them what they're, what they're struggling with. If you see something visibly. Um, but like I said, it's a great community surrounded by excellence, basically everywhere you look. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of a place where you either have to grow up fast or you're going to get eaten alive a little bit too. So um, that definitely is something I, like I said, I wanted to surround myself with, um, but that came with a lot of, a lot of hard work and a lot of self-realization of, okay, this is, this is real. Now you got to commit to things and now we go. No, definitely. And you speak to, you know, community being such an important thing that got you through. And that's one of the big things we talk about here with how we feel and just, especially with the connotation of mental wellness, just the focus of having that foundation, you know, that's set by being around a supporting community that's going to be there and be willing to have open conversations and be there for you when you feel like you need them most. You know, that's literally the bread and butter to at least begin blazing the trail towards getting to where you feel like you need to be or where you want to be. Yeah, it's important because a lot of times we want to we want to first see if we can do stuff on our own, and there's some stuff you can accomplish on your own. But at the same time, there's people around you supporting you that you don't have to fight every battle by yourself. You don't have to do every task by yourself. You know, if you need help, like if you need to ask for something, there's people there to provide for you that care for you. Like you don't have to carry the weight of the world on your back every every single day. So I'm just glad I had it family obviously and then the whole the whole Stanford community was was great to me um, the whole time I was there oh absolutely and then moving forward you know you talk about leading into the spring now being fully entrenched in baseball 
Uh, and freshman year was was an interesting one for you. You know, it's it's a different type of ball that's played out there in the Pac-12, um, mm-hmm. and you got some glimpses of it. You know, you talk about being thrown in the fire first at uh, playing against Davis, and then getting your first start against Texas, playing out there, playing in their stadium. And you know, I remember texting you after that game and chopping it up with you for a little bit, and you just speak into how crazy of an experience it was, and you know how thrilling it was at the same time too. You know, what can you say to being thrown in the fire so early and just having that experience of, you know, I just got to go in and do it, whether I'm ready for it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it kind of, every, every weakness you may have kind of gets exposed in a situation like that. Um, but I'm glad that the coaching staff and the other players around me, I mean, whether they liked it or not, could have the confidence and the trust to, to throw me in the fire kind of like that right away. Um, yeah, it was a Monday weekday game. We were at Davis. Um, it was a, I think it was a five-two game. I was coming in in the ninth. I didn't pitch the opening weekend. Um, I was just obviously trying to find my role, trying to find innings, whether it was starting or leaving, whatever. Um, but I came in the ninth. Quick three ground balls, game over, first appearance to save everything like that. I'm like, oh, I'm on a closer now or something. And next thing you know. Two days later, uh, on the Wednesday, it's a four-game series in, in Austin, Texas, and Thursday through Sunday, so we fly there on the Wednesday. Our coach tells me, I think, well, I think it might have been the next day, the Tuesday, um, hey, you're, you're getting the ball first game in Texas, and I'm like, okay, uh, pretty cool. <laughs> um, I had obviously playing in high school. You don't play in massive, massive stadiums like that or – in front of thousands and thousands of people, maybe in CCS if um, you're lucky enough to make it that far. But um, yeah, that was a nationally ranked team. Got Augie Burrito in the dugout. Um, rest in peace is obviously watching you with a, like a Hawks, like with a Hawks eye. I mean, he's seen 50 years of plus of college baseball. Um, but that was just like, it was almost like I blacked out a little bit at first because that's a situation that one, I, a couple days ago I wasn't expecting to be in. And now that I'm there, I'm like, I remember like, I didn't even feel myself throw the first pitch I threw. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of just threw it and I didn't even look where it went. And luckily it was a strike. Um, but I threw it and I was just like, okay. And then it was kind of crazy. Um, I think I struck out the side in the first inning. And then I then I was able to come back to earth a little bit because as a pitcher, any game you're pitching in, it's always like once you get that first out and you, once you get through the first inning, then you kind of know how the rest of your day is going to go. Mm-hmm. And once I got through those first couple hitters, I was just kind of could come back to earth a little bit and yeah. enjoy it for what it was. And then I finished that outing and then the next week, we had a weird kind of rain out doubleheader with uh, we played Vandy Vanderbilt almost every year. Um, and they came and they were, I mean, they were nationally ranked team coming off a national championship, I think, or being in the national championship. And I mean, you watch guys on TV that are from Vanderbilt and it's crazy, all the, the reputation they have. And then I'm, that was my second start after Texas. So it goes Texas Vanderbilt, two nationally ranked programs. Like, I'm a little wide-eyed freshman over here just trying to find my footing. Um, but another positive outing, um, 
and it was just great to get adjusted to the the speed of the game because like you mentioned you go through high school you're used to a certain tempo a certain speed of the game you go to college it speeds up a little bit umpires a little bit tighter um fields are a little bit bigger stadiums a little bit bigger so you just got to get adapted a little quick uh, a little quicker um and then i'm glad i had those outings just to kind of say okay now i'm here now i know what to expect and then going forward, freshman year, kind of like sophomore year on varsity in high school, it's kind of an up and down kind of roller coaster at times. Um, but a good learning experience. I kind of got my feet wet. I knew what to expect going forward, and then it was hit the ground running from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something to be said for embracing that opportunity and diving in it headfirst, you know, independent of outcome and using that as a springboard to kind of carry you forward as you continue throughout that journey and using those experiences to add to that toolbox and having those in your back pocket as you move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every, every experience is, is learning, um, good or bad. Um, and that was really something I, I took to heart my freshman year. Um, had, some good, had some good outings, had some bad outings. Um, watch other guys succeed, watch other guys not do so well. Kind of in my head was kind of formulating, okay, this is what it takes to succeed at this level, this is the work it takes. This is um, what it looks like on a day-to-day basis, going through practice and whatnot. Um, and that I kind of just stored all that in my memory bank. And then, like I said, it was hit the ground running after that. No, definitely. And then hit the ground running you did. I mean, you look at finishing off freshman year, going through sophomore year, and then that summer, you know, going into junior year, getting the opportunity to go and play in the Cape Cod League. Um, you know, for a lot of people that don't know, the Cape Cod League is one of the most premier summer leagues that you can play in for baseball. Um, a lot of potential MLB prospects coming in, playing in and out of there. So it's littered with talent. So to even have the opportunity to be out there is is something to be said for that. Um, and then you carry through that, you know, have pretty good success out there, you know, and then move through with, with some big eyes on you going into junior year, go through, finish that season eight and one with potential going in and playing in the league and draft day comes you know you go through the first couple of rounds but eventually you end up getting that call um you know speak to me about what that was like college commitment i told you went fast this draft is the fastest thing you'll ever go through Uh, so you kind of have a general idea of where you might land going into day of um there's a there's three there there was three days now with the this year kind of being a wash the, the draft is a little different now but um there's three rounds or three days i should say three days of 40 rounds so a lot of rounds and then the first two rounds are on day one and then three through ten on day two day three is 11 through the end um and i kind of had a I, I knew i had a chance to go maybe late on day one maybe more so day two kind of in that range somewhere wasn't obviously positive had knew some teams that were interested um, as you're going through the year, you've, you're contacting local area scouts, you're filling out questionnaires and whatnot. But um, I remember, like, it's, it's also the slowest. It's, it goes super fast when you're involved, but when you're not involved, it's the slowest thing ever because picks one through 39, or picks one through 35, felt like it took four hours. Yeah. 35 picks, why is it taking four hours? Like we're, it was starting at four o'clock and it's now eight o'clock and it's dark outside. I'm like, this is a waste of my time. 
And then next thing you know, you get a phone call and it's like, oh, this team's interested in taking you here. I think it was 47 or 48 um, at first. And then I got a call back, I think two picks later. I think it was at 38. Hey, the Royals are interested in picking you at 40. Um, they just need your, your okay. And gave my okay. And mm-hmm. I didn't really, I didn't really have a team in mind. Um, obviously sure. Being from the Bay area, giants or A's would have been cool, but um, just the opportunity to, to play professional baseball to say you got drafted by any team is just a, a blessing in, in itself. But the Royals took me at 40 and um, it's been a dream come true um, ever since, but the whole the draft day in itself, the whole draft process is so like energy or time consuming. It's like energy consuming. It's, it's something that's, that's a little confusing if you don't understand baseball, but uh, I'm, I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's done with, let's put it that way. Like I can imagine definitely a lot of stress in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Definitely. You know, and then that happens, you work your way through the minors, you know, pretty quickly and, you know, pretty quickly, but pretty abruptly um, speak to me about the experience that you were a part of this year in terms of getting that call to go and finally start at the big league level. Yeah. So this year, obviously it was a little different. Uh, last year, as you mentioned, I was in low A, so A ball pretty much the whole year. So low A and then high A, which is signified with the A plus, which was Lexington, Kentucky for low A and then Wilmington, Delaware for high A. Spent majority of my year in Delaware, did pretty well. Um, I came in the next, uh, this year, um, I got an invite to big league spring training, um, spent about a three, four weeks there. And then they, they actually sent me back down um, to minor league camp three days before we all left because uh, of COVID uh, breaking out. Um, so I got sent down right before we all left. And then it was just kind of in limbo from that time to whenever. Uh, we didn't know if there was going to be a major league season. We didn't know if there was going to be a minor league season. So we're just keeping up with coaching staff and whatnot through – sending them videos of us throwing through the, the quarantine. And then when we all kind of reconvened at what we called summer camp, which was essentially a second spring training, which was in our home cities. Um, it was like a 60 player pool and ours was obviously in Kansas city being the Royals. So I went there um, in, I think it was July one, I think it was the day we started. We had probably not the healthiest thing for, especially for pitchers when a starting pitcher is you need time to build up. Right. And luckily I was doing a lot of stuff in the quarantine to get myself ready. But at the same time, you can't replicate a game atmosphere at home or in your backyard or wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had three weeks at the summer camp. Um, the season opened, I think July 24th and there was the, the active MLB roster. Then there was what was known as the alternate site, which is essentially 30 to 30 or so guys they wanted to get development or slash backups for big league guys who got hurt, who got COVID and whatnot. Um, so I dropped down to that alternate site for the first week. I walked in, uh, it was raining. Team was on the road. Yeah. The team was on the road. It was raining. I was supposed to pitch on a Wednesday, like in an inter squad, like a simulation of four or five innings or something like that. It was raining. So it didn't happen. We came in kind of early. 
our one of our pitching supervisors pulled me aside and said, "It's raining today. It's raining tomorrow. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna have you throw on Friday, but it's gonna be Friday against the White Sox at Stadium." So it took me a second because here I am. I'm a guy finished the year in A ball. Um, got sent down from big league camp and it was that the first thing on my mind, especially that a week into the season. Yeah. Not at all. Um, and like, I knew there was an outside chance of me maybe getting a call if I kept working and, and had some success, um, through our little alternate site, um, deal, but to, to have that, it didn't really set in at first. I called my mom, called my sister, called my grandparents, called my agent. And then it all, just like that, it's another thing that goes super fast. I mean, Wednesday, we're trying to coordinate flights um, just so they can be in town. Um, obviously, no fans at the game, but obviously that's an experience you want to share. Um, obviously, safe and everything. But that's an experience you want to share with, like, that's that's something you dream about, you know, making your debut and your family and friends being there. Um, so, obviously, they weren't at the game, but – we were at least able to spend some time together um, outside of the outside of the, the field. Um, a little bittersweet, but um, that whole situation was. It's still like I'm still kind of soaking it in now, or at least, at least now I have time to kind of reflect on that and kind of realize how momentous momentous that was. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time when I got called up, I didn't really have time to, to think about, Oh, this is cool. I had to pitch against the Chicago White Sox, one of the best lineups in the game two days later. And then, uh, pitched against the, my second start was against the Cubs, another playoff team. Mm -hmm. And then I, then I pitched on the road after that and it was just hit the ground running. But, uh, I can't complain about anything, obviously. I mean, it, it's uh, a dream come true and it's something that I'm really fortunate and, and thankful that and grateful that I experienced this year. No, definitely. And, and tying things in and wrapping some stuff up, at least in regards to baseball, um, you know, it's for athletes. A lot of times you find yourself embodying all of the traits that you have within the style of play that you present on the field. Uh, what are some personal traits and some aspects of yourself that you feel like you're able to exemplify and express while you're playing on that field? My competitiveness, first and foremost, um, on and off the field, as you know, I'm a pretty competitive person. Um, I don't like to lose. I don't like to do poorly. I don't like to let teammates down. Um, I don't like to let friends down. So that, for me, first and foremost, that's the easiest thing for me to, like, showcase or express. Like, when in doubt, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you everything I have. I'm going to keep the team in the game. I'm going to let you know that I'm there for you and, and so on. But um, baseball for me too is, is just an outlet for me to, to be myself in the sense that I don't have to worry about kind of how I look out there or what I'm doing. Like all I have to worry about is the task at hand, making pitches, getting outs, and that's it. <laughs> to where I'm actually, when I'm on a baseball field, I'm like, I like to be somewhat talk or like kind of talkative and like kind of go through my game plan in my head with the catcher, with the coaches, whatever. Um, I'm pretty talkative to when it comes to what I'm doing on a baseball field, which is kind of contrary to how I am off the field. I'm a lot more reserved. 
um, a lot more laid back, kind of go with the flow um, off the field. So the base, the baseball aspect of that kind of allows me to open up and take ownership of, of my own career, my own uh, accountability towards myself. Not saying I don't do that off the field um, because I feel that I do. I just do it maybe in a different way. Maybe it's not as vocal. It's just through action. Whereas on the field, it's, it's obviously both. You got to be actions are obviously what you're doing, but being a vocal or trying to be a vocal, a leader, um, not even a leader, but I mean, being a rookie at 22, 23 years old, like I can't say you're expected to be a leader right off the bat, especially when we have veterans in the clubhouse. Um, but you try to find your way, not sure, like once again, not try to step on any toes um, or do anything you're not supposed to. Um, but it's important to kind of establish the shelf, show that you have confidence to others. And, and then that, that carries it through a clubhouse. And that's kind of how I feel with my friend groups off the field. You know, I, um, I'm not trying to, like, I'm, I'm trying to, to be as transparent as I can with everybody and at the same time, be as confident as I can. Um, and that just exudes through friend groups. It exudes through clubhouses and, and all that. So I think it's a combination of all those on the field. And that's how it should be, right? At the end of the day, the aim for anybody, no matter what you're doing, should be to go out and be transparent, you know, present mm -hmm. yourself as fully and as authentically as you can and express that and push that out to other people in hopes that they'll feed off of that and continue to do the same on their own end, right? Exactly, exactly. It's, uh, like I say, you, sir, with, with Stanford, like I'm surrounding myself with like-minded people, people that strive for excellence. It's the same thing. I'm surrounding myself with, with like-minded people, with people that are striving for, to do well in whatever they're doing. Um, so that's just, that's just so contagious when you're able to, to be around people like that on the field, off the field with friend groups. It's just, it's a contagious thing that you, you want to be around people that lift you up, not necessarily be around people that, that keep you the same or bring you down um, because you're always trying to get better every day. You're always trying to improve um, and always trying to learn every day. Um, you don't ever want to be satisfied. So surrounding yourself with the people that help you accomplish that is huge. Mm -hmm. No, it's important. Having those conversations with other people is super important and just as important as, you know, again, keying back into having those conversations with yourself. You know, what are some ways that you've focused on having important conversations with yourself? Um, and what are some of the things that you've learned about yourself growing up through this process as times move forward? Big for me is not beating myself up too much because um, I think the perfectionism as I've gone through my career, gone through childhood, high school, college, still there. But um, for me, like if I don't do something, that's like when anxiety starts to set in, like, Oh, I didn't do this today to get ready. Or I didn't eat my Turkey sandwich today. Like I'm, gonna, I'm not going to pitch. Well, or I'm not going to do well. Well, no, it's not not like that you know you don't need to stuff like that doesn't need to take away from your energy it doesn't need to to take away from what you're doing um because at the end of the day if you're prepared and you control your preparation you control your effort you control your attitude on a, on throughout the week and then on on game day um that's 
that's all you can control. You don't need to worry about, oh, what music that I listened to before the game or I got to – like people always talk about baseball players being superstitious too. Like I'm kind of like I, – I guess I do some things that are habit in nature. We all do. Uh, but I wouldn't say I'm like confined to anything. Like I don't put my socks on a certain way or my jersey on a certain way or something like that. Um, and I I don't eat turkey sandwiches like like uh, on command anymore before games either. Um, but uh, just stuff, little things like that. I'm not beating myself up anymore. I'm not getting that anxiety anymore. If oh I don't do this, I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle today. Now it's oh I don't do this. I mean maybe I don't need this today. It's not that big of a deal. Um, maybe I feel good today, or I I don't. I maybe I should do this today instead. Like that's where the working smart comes in because at this level, um, at this stage of our lives, everybody's working hard um, to try to work with their, what they're going for. Now it's about working smart. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And uh, again, stepping away from the field, what do you feel like are some of the things that are most important to you, you know, outside of baseball and outside of, you know, family, what are some of the biggest things that you stand for? <sighs> the biggest things, as I mentioned, music, um, I love music and I, I know everybody brags about their playlists and, and whatnot. And, um, when we get our Spotify wrapped at the end of the year, everybody's like, Oh, who are your top artists who are your top songs? But I feel like my music is something I can always go to. Um, whatever mood I'm feeling in, I got, I have, I have songs from every type of genre you can, you can possibly think of, but, uh, music it was crazy it's just it's it's still sports off the field um but it's it's other sports other than baseball like right now going through the fall i'm big in fantasy football um obviously the nba finals just finished up and then uh getting into golfing now so a hobby kind of off um the sport i play and then another thing kind of going along with the music theme is uh Guitar. I'm not very good at guitar. I've never played an instrument in my life, but it's something that I kind of wanted to try, you know, maybe see if I can play a couple of my favorite songs. It's YouTube tutorials aren't that helpful all the time, but um, they say it's easy and free for beginners. And then I'm lost after 20 seconds. Um, but um, those are probably the main things that keep me occupied off the field. Um, as I said, I'm a pretty, low-key pretty reserved guy i'm not like bouncing off the walls or i mean traveling would be great as well obviously in the times we're in traveling is a little difficult um but um those are probably the main things i'm interested in off the field no i love it and then to touch on music again too you know one of the best things that i enjoy about music especially from the perspective of artists is you know, artists using that platform and using that space as a stage for them to go and again, be transparent, be authentic, but provide certain mediums that are tangible for other people to share those experiences and value those experiences. Um, and I feel like you find that so much in sports as well. You know, that's that's like for so many other people that embody, you know, the struggle of being an athlete, the triumphs of being an athlete and just that overall experience that sports provides when you're in that firsthand. Exactly. Like we all want something that we can relate to and music is the perfect medium for that is the perfect platform for that. Um, you find songs that, Oh, maybe you like what this artist stands for. This band stands for you. Like what 
the, the lyrics say in the song, or you like this the way it sounds, or something like that. We all want something we can relate to, so that's always something I'm going back to, um, depending on how I'm feeling, depending on um, just anything. I mean, I whatever whatever kind of floats my boat that day is, I'm kind of going to go with that music choice, or um, it's just it's such a like you said, it's such a it's such a thing that we it's so easily accessible, it's so tangible, like. And I, it's something that like I, another thing like without music, I didn't I don't know like what I would do because all those like like listen to music and kind of gather my thoughts. That's something that I'll I'm really proud of, and I'm like I'm really proud I did that. I'm thankful that I did that. Um, so that's that's something I'll always kind of hold near and dear to my heart. That music kind of helped me grow up, and music kind of help me take the next next steps in my life. Oh, I love it. And and same thing for a lot of younger folks, sports provides that same medium as well, you know, to have something to latch onto the biggest players and the biggest stars in the league become those role models for those kids. And, you know, playing at the major league level provides you with a platform to impact so many different people, some that you wouldn't even have access to if you were in a different situation. And I know that you and I have had conversations candidly, you know, especially looking at some of the things that have been going on from a, a social injustice perspective within the country that mm-hmm. we're in right now. But, you know, one of the big things that I told you was you're in a position to utilize your platform for the betterment of causes that you stand for, morals that you embody and stand for, and values that you want to see presented in the world. And my question to you, you know, is what are some of those causes and some of those things that you want to be able to highlight and be able to provide your perspective on to help other people right now? Yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, I'm at a stage now where whether you like it or not, like I do have a platform and I do have a social media following that people look at and people are seeing what I what I do every day. Um, but like you mentioned, like we had we had. Uh, talks a little bit ago but i mean social injustices are obviously been a been a main topic in this country so um especially throughout this year and i mean throughout almost every year it seems like we're having these types of conversations so that's something that i'm passionate about something that um i'll call out when i see it and um but at the same time like it's important obviously social media platforms are great and but words only go so far, you know, what, like a a simple retweet or something or simple repost of something, is that really changing anything? Not to say like, that's not the, the the intent isn't there. The F the effort is there, but is that really going to make a change in the long term? Maybe, maybe not. Um, So it's about going above and beyond treating people with respect. Um, If you're out in the streets, whatever, walking around or in the city or whatever, and you see something, that's when you kind of step in. It's not necessarily for the camera or whatever. It's it's treating people with respect. It's surrounding yourself with people that maybe have experienced something you've never experienced before. Um, and I think that's where, as a country, I think that's kind of where we're lacking right now is just the empathy aspect. Um, it's just, it's such a, such a stubborn viewpoint kind of, to where, oh, if, if something doesn't affect me, then I don't care about it. You know, it's like that's, in, in a sense, it's a little childish. It's a little immature because if you want to live in, in a great space, if you want to live in a, in a place that's good for everybody, 
then you better make sure that everybody's on the same page and you can empathize with what people are, are going with and, and kind of rock with them when they're going good, but also be there for them when they're going bad. So I think that's where in general, that's something I'm always trying to strive for is just be empathetic to people, be empathetic to my friends, empathetic to, to people I don't know um, and not be quick to judge, not be quick to uh, assume anything because we don't know what people are going through surface wise or, or below the surface, I should say. Um, but that's something I'm trying to strive for every day. No, I love it. I love it. And you talked about, you know, the importance of taking actionable steps, not just talking, right. You know, it's mm -hmm. having those conversations with other people to understand their viewpoint, you know, going out of your way to go and provide mediums to help assist in whatever struggles people are going with, going through. And you're doing that now, you know, I know you're doing some work with Royal Charities and, and a little bit of stuff with Harbor Street Food Network. Uh, talk about what those things are and talk about what your involvement with those things is. Yeah, so as soon as the pandemic hit, um, I, I noticed a couple other like friends I had, uh, athletes that were doing some some charitable things in the community. Just they had the resources, they had the access to it. And I was like, hey, why not? This is a time where I'm fortunate enough to be where I am and I have the opportunity to help other people. Um, so I set up the, the cameo account. Like I said, I'm a pretty laid back guy. So this is kind of venturing out for me, but the, uh, I set up a cameo account, which is just a cameo is just a, for people that don't know, it's just a kind of an interactive thing is you, you, you send a request to an athlete or celebrity or whatever, and they send back a video you can request whatever message you want a birthday a congratulations wedding advice anything and the athlete celebrity sends a video back and the money that i set up my money to go to through royals charities through uh to harvester's food bank which is a food network um located in kind of central missouri obviously being a kansas city royal they would have some impact in that community having people kind of know who I am. Granted, I'm not super, super established or anything like that, but just to have anything, anything helps, you know, especially in a time like this where we're looking at everything. Food insecurity is one of the biggest, um, biggest things that plagues a lot of, a lot of people in this country. So anything I can do to help any, anything I can provide to harvesters that they can provide to the greater Kansas and Missouri communities is, was kind of my intention for that. And i um, still got that going strong today. Good. I'm glad, bro. Very well said. And uh, as we wrap up, my last question for you is if you could put a name to the journey and the ride that life has taken you through up to this point, what would you name it? It's a tough question. Um, what would I name my journey? Um, I've always kind of felt I'll, I'll I'll give it a name at the end of my description, but I've always kind of felt I've been somewhat overlooked at times, whether people think that is the case or not is up to them. But to me, I've always felt like I've been a little bit of an underdog at times, been a little overlooked, you know, not the flashiest guy, not the biggest prospect, whatever. Um, so if I had to put a name to that, then I would say just, I, I just call it underdog mentality. I mean, it's simple, but um, 
the moment I feel like I'm number, like I feel like I'm on top, then that's the moment I'm, I'm kind of failing myself because I need to always be working. We all need to be working. Like we're gunning for like, there's someone in front of us, even if there's not, you need to be working because there's always someone fighting to take your job. There's always someone fighting to take your position. Um, so you essentially have to, to act, even if you're not number one, you got, or even if you are number one, you got to act like you're number two and mm-hmm. beyond. Um, because the second you let your guard down, the second um, you feel like you have everything figured out, then um, it's over. And that's the great thing about this life. You know, you're always trying to learn. We're always trying to gain knowledge. And as soon as you get comfortable, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a bad thing. So always, always being curious, like you mentioned, and always striving to be the best we can each day. I love it, man. Boop, it's always a pleasure to get together with you and have some super meaningful conversations. Um, I thank you greatly for giving your time and being willing to come and talk to us on here. Um, and yeah, I just can't tell you how much. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it, Miles. Thank you for having me. Obviously, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Uh, we've been each other, been with each other since day one, so we've seen each other grow up. But yeah, I love uh, sharing thoughts and love uh, talking shop with you. Absolutely, brother. Excited to see what's on the on the path for you. Alrighty, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We will talk to you soon. Have a good one.